Welcome to the Gary Wilkerson Podcast. I'm Gary Wilkerson here with Joshua West. Josh, thanks for joining us again today. Good morning. Good morning. Hey, uh, Josh and I were just praying for you. We believe that what we're about to uh, embark upon, a 12-week series on the fascinating, life-altering Word of God, will bring you to a place of a new hunger for God's Word, a passion for it, a zeal for it, a, a desire to dig into the Word. If you have lost that fire, we want to see it restored. If it's something that word has always been, you know, you're a Christian and you love God, but you just don't seem to have a, you know, you open up the word and doesn't seem to speak to you. We want to address some of these issues by telling you a little bit more about this, this fascinating uh, and a life-altering word of God. So we have with us Joshua West, co-workers and co-host here of the thing. Uh, Joshua, you're about to, uh, you're, you're embarking on your um, Doctorate, is that right? Correct. How far yes. along are you into that? Um, I'm actually officially a doctoral candidate. So okay. I've been um, in this section of it for the last about two and a half years. And so basically I'm a couple of projects and a dissertation away from having my doctorate in systematic theology. Excellent. Congratulations. <laughs> Excited it, about that. Well, let's dig right in. Um, like I said, it's going to be 12 weeks. We're going to be talking about uh, the Bible, the authority of the Scripture today. We're going to be talking about how to uh, study the Scripture in depth, how to glean from it, the, uh, how, to, how it can bring life to you, how you can make sure you are faithful at um, digging out what the Word actually says so that you're not uh, imposing some of your own thoughts or ideas or uh, things that you want it to say to you. And we would also say to you, Josh and I were talking about this earlier, um, if I were to say to you today, uh, I could increase your personal finances, your annual salary by a hundredfold. So if you make 50000 this year, whatever, a hundredfold would be five million. If I could do that, would you be interested in what we have to say over this next few weeks of this series? Uh, you probably would. But what if I were to say the same thing is true for the Word of God? We could increase a hundredfold the, 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 what you get out of the Word, how, how when we dig into it like a bee does honey, uh, how do we draw it? What, what if we could bring a hundredfold increase to what you are hearing from God, what you're putting into your own heart from God, uh, how the scripture mean are meaningful to you? How do you listen to a sermon and discern uh, truth from error? These are things that over the next twelve weeks in this fascinating life-altering Word of God series, it's going to bring life to you. And uh, Joshua, today we're going to be talking about the Bible itself. Amen. Uh, let's just start off with that. So, where does your mind go when you first hear us wanting to bring people's focus, attention, zeal, and passion for the Word of God? Uh, what 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 do, you, what do you think about the Bible? Well, since we're talking about the Bible, let's start with a uh, scripture from the Bible. Cool. Um, and in 2 Timothy 3, verses 16 and 17, it says, All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. And so the the all-encompassing word there, all, all yeah. Scripture. So um, not just parts of it. The genealogy in the beginning of Matthew is valuable. Yeah. Um, the the encouragements at the end of the book of Romans where Paul is giving personal encouragement, all is God-breathed and is profitable for us some way. And so this is God's book, God's word that he revealed to us and gave to us. Um, so I think it's very important to remember that all Scripture is breathed out by God, that God is the author of Scripture, and that finally, you know, we study the Bible and theology uh, not to be puffed up in knowledge, but to know God. Yeah. And so, you know, early on in, in Christianity, I, um, you know, there were 
just like every other person, you know, there were times where it was hard to understand or, or dry. And a great prayer of mine would be, God, help me to desire your word, Lord. Yeah. Put, put a fire in me for your word. Help me to want the things you want. Um, and then, of course, I think of a, a prayer we should all pray when we read the Bible is that the Spirit of God would lead us into all truth. Yeah. And so, yes, um, there are many ways to interpret the Bible. Well, there's only a right way to interpret the Bible, but I mean, there's many different things to do when it comes to studying the Scripture. But I think it's important to remember that that God authored the Scripture, yeah. and and although it was written by 40 different authors over the course of about 1,500 years, which documents about mm -hmm. 4,200 years of history, um, that, that, that there is one author. It is God. He breathed the word out, and he wants us to breathe it in. That's right. And so I think that's that's the, a really good starting place to yeah. just to, to make, to put the gravitas that it deserves. This is God's <laughs> word, word, the God who spoke the world into existence. And I think we shouldn't, it shouldn't be lost on us that it's not just some vague words of wisdom. It's God communicating with us. He chose to reveal himself to us and yeah. to explain things to us and to show us who he is and um, and all the things that, that are contained in the Bible. So I think that's, to me, that's highly encouraging to know that God wrote this book so that I could know him. Yeah, that he's a self-revealing God and he's revealed himself in his word one of the reasons we're doing this series is try to help people, uh, particularly maybe in, in our historical denominational background, uh, charismatic type, uh, we, there's often a tendency to hear, want to hear from God more like that sweet whisper in my voice, uh, go to this grocery store today and not that one, marry that girl, not that one, you know, that, that, that uh, uh, some people call it the, the rhema word of God, which right. I think maybe that's a misunderstanding of it as well. Uh, the, I would the, say it is. Uh, yeah, the rhema and the logos is both in here. Amen. It's not this is the logos and this is the rhema. <laughs> like, uh, uh, and, and so what we want to try to do is bring a little bit of encouragement to people to say, you know, dig into this for both uh, the direction about your marriage, uh, you know, get, get rooted and grounded in this. You know, we're never told to be rooted and grounded in feelings or thoughts or emotions or you know, possible words, you know, uh, the Lord told me, uh, you know, I, I say that sometimes, but I'm very cautious to that. And, and if so, I want it to be uh, tethered to the scripture as, as well. So, so we want to, we want to make sure, but, uh, you know, when I was talking earlier about, you know, if we could increase your desire and your skill at discerning and knowing the word and applying the word a hundredfold, you would you would dig into it. So uh, here's a quote by an old Puritan writer: it "says Men that dig in mines for treasure, even hope for the gain, labor they labor much before they find any vein, and they at many times miss. But when they find that silver vein, uh, with with what cheerfulness do they labor? It makes them forget their pain and their otherwise tedious labor. Now we." who study the scripture are even in the vein of the heavenly treasure. How much more then should we be encouraged? He's talking there about, uh, you know, we, we're digging into a, a vein, a heavenly treasure here. This, this, this book has, uh, you know, Peter says, everything that pertains to life and godliness has, has been given to us. Uh, that, that's, that, so, this, so this, is, this, doesn't, this doesn't go alongside many other books. It, it is... It is far above. And I remember one time just getting this, this, this rebuke in my own life because uh, it, was, it was back when I was starting ministry. And at the time, you might have been before you were in 
Christian, but there was a thing called the seeker sensitive movement. You remember, you're familiar with that? Yeah. I've actually written a lot of academic oh, yeah, critiques yeah, of yeah. the seeker sensitive okay, movement, yeah. the purpose driven church. Yeah, and, so, so I had gotten, but involved, it is a little before my time. Yeah. <laughs> I got involved with that and so thrilled by it. So I, I remember having my Bible on my nightstand by my bed and then, you know, Rick Warren's book was there and, uh, Bill Hybels' books on church growth and how to you know get your church to grow from 300 to 400, or whatever, barrier-breaking. And, and I looked over there and I said, that Bible has been under those books for about a week now. And <laughs> I just thought, I, I, you know, and that was, a, that was a really big discovery for me. I, I threw out all those books and just said, God, I, I want this to direct my pastoral ministry, uh, my, my vision for what, uh, not even my vision for church, your vision, your, what's your vision for the church? Uh, it's, it's all uh, found in there. And so there are some words that are used to describe uh, these things. And some, some of our listeners may be familiar with some of the, some of the words. You and I have uh, both, you know, the, th- the three that are probably most um, often understood by Christians all start with the letter I, yeah. inspiration, inerrancy, infallibility. There are four others. Do you want to have those listed out in front of you? Or? Yeah, yeah. Um... Authority. Authority. Well, yeah. I think that one is so very, very important. Yeah. Um, clarity, sufficiency, See, yeah. and necessity. Necessity. All right. Let's and break I, them down. You want to? Yeah, go ahead. All right. Let's go. Also, um, why don't you let, let me start with inspiration, then I'm going to have you do inerrancy and infallibility. Okay. okay? All right. Uh, inspira- inspiration. You already read from the, the Timothy passage there. All scripture is inspired. That's proven in itself by those. We know about Jesus because of the scripture. Um, we we wouldn't probably know him just mysteriously, mysteriously, uh, you know, that could happen to somebody sure. hear of, of uh, Muslims having dreams. Uh, but most of the times we know who Jesus is and we can, uh, and I heard you say it one time, it's like, you know, some people talk about knowing Jesus, but, but yeah, which Jesus, you know, right. and so that, so, so, you, you, so this helps us know which Jesus. And so Jesus himself, when he's quoting the Old Testament, he calls it scripture. And uh, is it Paul or Peter? I think it's Paul where he's talking about uh, something he wrote and he calls it scripture. Yeah. So Peter validates Paul's writings as scripture and Paul also validates Peter's writing as scripture, uses the word scripture and is attributing the same level of value as the Old Testament that Jesus regarded as scripture. So uh, I think we've talked about this before. For me, when you get to that place, it's like, you you eventually come to a place where you either have to accept it all or you can't accept it at all. Yeah. Because if if it's parts of it are inspired and parts of it are from God, but parts of it have been, you know, are interjections of men, how do we discern which or yeah. which? And, w- and when we when we use the word, the, the, when we say the Bible or the scripture is inspired, what we're saying is the, the, the Timothy passage, God breathed it, into the minds and the hearts and the pens of men, and they they began to write. It wasn't uh, automatic writing. Exactly. It was it was human beings who had experiences and emotions and thoughts and will, and they. But but God spoke to them about what to put down, pen to paper, and they wrote it inspired by God using their own mind, their own words, their own hand. Definitely. Write it, but but God was the source of that, and I think that's that's where I get this idea of it, He, like somebody in, inspired me to you know, write a song, uh, you know, amuse. Right. You know, it's like, but of course, God is so much more than that. But that's just maybe a small picture of what God, being the source 
of, of, of that. I think the word source for inspiration is, is a, a very sound term because um, it's not like we use the term inspiration often in modern culture, more like you inspired me to do this. And we, right. and we attach the word encourage to it. It's like you're incur- you're inspirational to me, but it doesn't necessarily have to do with the, the content and in, in, in scripture. What I think is neat about, you know, what inspiration really means is the fact that these are the very words of God, yeah. but they are not automatic writing. They are not like robots because there's the, the style of Moses's writing and the style of yeah. Paul's writing and the style of King David's writing are discernible. Their human attributes are, are part of it. And, and so I think one of the things that makes biblical inspiration so amazing and really self-confirming is the fact that you get all the false holy books of all the false religions. You've got Islam full of contradictions written by one man reprised over and over again. You've got the cult of Mormonism or, you know, some of these other things, supposedly God revealed this to one man and even one man can't help but contradict himself. (laughs) Then you have the Bible that's that's written over the course of 1,500 years by 40-plus authors, and the unifying message of the Scripture is the same. Um, You know, and and the more I've studied the Bible, the more it's it's the weight of uh, its unity has, you know, just persuaded me more and more and more and built my faith. You know, faith come by hearing and hearing the word of the Lord, Romans 10, 17. And so I think that's one of the the things that makes the Bible so unique. And, and, and I think that's why uh, I think the, the, the God element makes it trustworthy and the human element makes it um, accessible because when David's in a cave crying out, why are my enemies surrounding me? We can go, hey, I can relate to that. Yeah. Or when Paul's talking about being persecuted for the gospel, the the nature of man doesn't change, you know, in after the fall. But what's comforting is the nature of God doesn't change in his ability yeah. to preserve his word. That's good. So, so this idea of inspiration, God is a God who loves to reveal himself. If that's the case, if, if that's the God he is, and he's all-knowing, all-powerful, all-wise, and he wants to communicate something, I think some people get mixed up with this inspiration is like, uh, okay, yeah, God God speaks, but then it gets twisted through the minds of man or through different translations. It gets, you know, or it's, you know, so old that, it, you know, but the same God who wants to speak that inspired the words is, I believe, is the same God that can protect the word. That's exactly can, right. Can, 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 you know, and I don't believe every translation has everything totally accurately, but but the, the in the original languages, uh, and, and I, but I think God even protects the process. The, what we have today in our English or, you know, if somebody's listening French or whatever. Right. You know, that, uh, God, Swahili. Yeah, God is protecting that because he loves to speak. If you're about to read something, I just am, yeah. to what point this out, though, what you just said kind of is the bridge into the next two, which is inerrancy and okay. infallibility. So yeah. go ahead and read what you're yeah, saying, and this. then I'll pick um, those up. I love this. Uh, this is by Francis Chanel. <clears throat> it says, uh, The incomprehensible God who is of himself and for himself cannot be made known to his creatures, but by himself. I love that. So, so he's this incomprehensible God, unless he decided to speak to us and inspire us and inspire them to write the words to us. Then, then we went, men and angels cannot know him any further than he is pleased to reveal himself unto them. The word of God is pure and perfect. It does fully, it does fully discover God's mind and our 
duty. And that's, so he's inspired those things for our, definitely these things were written for our benefit. And um, man, Edward it, said in uh, some writing he did on Psalm 119 that um, a God who is unknowable and unapproachable chose to approach us and make himself known to us. Mm. And you can spend a lot of time thinking about the fact that we, we didn't stumble upon God. Right. Um, you know, God made an effort to reveal himself to us. Um, and the beautiful part is, is we know why, because the Bible says he wants to have communion yeah. with his creation in a restore, restored fashion. And so um, it's it's beautiful. And, and that's one of the reasons I love the Bible so much. You know, when I preach often, when I make certain statements about Jesus or about the Holy Spirit, um, like you referenced to earlier, I always say Christ as revealed in Scripture because I don't want it to be confused with a figment of my imagination or what some other preacher said. Um, and what that also does is it elevates God's Word, not me, because another man could come to me and say, where is that yeah. revealed in Scripture? You know, yeah. where are you getting that about Jesus? Hopefully if I'm preaching, I've made it pretty clear. <laughs> yeah. But but I'm subjected to the text, just like everybody else. And that's a, that's a healthy thing. Biblical preaching, biblical study of the Bible isn't elevating a pastor. It's actually elevating the congregation because mm -hmm. they are, they are called to study, to show themselves approved. They are called to, because we're all children of God. That's the, not to be, get into this historical church um, thing, but that was the beauty of the Reformation. You know, mm -hmm. things were dark because the Catholic church had said, listen, God's word's not for you. It's for yeah. the high minds. It's for the theological. It's for the well, the well trained. You know, let us deal with this. And God's word itself testifies to something opposite of that. Mm -hmm. um, you're talking about, uh, you know, something that kind of led into inerrancy and infallibility. Not to spend a ton of time on both of those, but inerrancy and infallibility can be confused sometimes. The inerrancy of Scripture really is this idea that the Scripture is without error. Right. Um, and so this is where a lot of people will get um, up in arms because the way I would say it is when we start talking about translations, in its original language, the Scripture is without error. And like you said, we have trustworthy versions of the Scripture. Um, but even if there is a slightly different, you know, decision about translating this word or that this way or that way. Most Bibles make it clear yeah. this word could have been translated this way or this way. Um, yeah. We have the the manuscripts. We have what you know. One of the Daniel Wallace, who is the most preeminent, you know, probably New Testament textual scholar in the world, mm. says we have an embarrassment of riches, especially <laughs> when it comes to the New Testament. Um, and so. The inerrancy of Scripture is just the, the the belief that the Scripture is without error because it is inspired by God. Mm -hmm. Infallibility has a lot more to do with the doctrine of the Bible, the idea that the Bible, that what the Bible teaches is non-contradictory, is completely unified, um, and that um, that that the doctrines are all in unity together. The infallibility and the inerrancy of Scripture work together. So, you know, people who like to try to pick the Bible apart, you know, I've had people come to me many times and say, hey, the Bible's so full of contradictions. How can you believe it? <laughs> and my response to them always is, assuming that they're, they're sincere, which contradictions would you like to talk about? <laughs> and I would say 49 times out of 50, 
they don't have anything really to say. That's just some regurgitated thing they say. Oh, the Bible's full of contradictions. Or they say a scripture that they've never looked into, a scripture that they're misquoting. Every once in a while, you're going to find a thoughtful person who will have a real, and those are the kind of people it's great to talk to because that person mm-hmm. is actually asking a real question. Yeah, and, what, the, and then you can talk about the Bible. Yeah, and that's that's that can be one of your greatest places of growing in your wisdom and understanding of the word and how it can change your life is is start with the the places that look difficult for you you know that doesn't there's nothing wrong with that you know it's like you don't want to just leap over and say oh, i'm not going to have anything to do with that because it's just too confusing for me that those for me some of the greatest revelations of of god's heart and mind have come starting with a problem like this no. this text i have a real hard time with this yes. text it, it it's either confusing or it doesn't seem to make sense or the language doesn't relate to me at all I, it just goes flying over my head instead of just passing by that that's where i like to, to stick for a while uh, because that's where i find out oh i, I you know if i if i had just skirted over that i would have never known this 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 truth of, of god's I, I was going back to infallibility and inerrancy some, some, there's a way you can kind of help Remember these things if you're trying to get a better grasp of the Word of God. Uh, er- errancy, error, the, the, the Word is, is kind of baked right into, it's without that, in meaning without error, without error. And the, I, th- I look at the infallibility, uh, it can't fail. It's going to produce what it's, it, it, it is, it's not just like I'm looking at it and there's an error, uh, you know, the Bible said this and that's not true, that's an error. Right. Where infallibility is the impossibility that it could make an error. That's exactly so, right. So God, God could speak. You know, not that He's going to, but because the, the the canon is closed, that uh, you know any, anything new is going to be, we need to reject it. Uh, that's where a lot of those false teachings come from. But the, if, that that if God were to say more things, He is. It's impossible for Him to to lie. Right. So, so everything he's going to say. So, so there's 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 a nuance there. They 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 are somewhat linked these two words, but there's a bit of a difference. So you can look at the. It's inspired by God, and there's not an error in it because God is not able to make errors. It's, yes. and, and so there's there's the trust in the text, which is the inerrancy. Then there's the trust in the God who gave us the inspired text, yes. which is infallible. It's 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 that's that the the inerrancy is I think is more in the in the text in the scripture. And the infallibility is in the one who gave it to us. Yes, and in what you said earlier, that it accomplishes what it, me- it was meant yeah. to accomplish. I think that brings me. Fire in Our Bones Pastors Conference and Spiritual Leaders Conference is coming up very soon. Check it out on our World Challenge website. We believe you should be there because God is going to do some great things. To accomplish. I think that brings me to a, a statement that I wrote down here that I wanted to say. Um, and I think it's important for us to realize this. This may not be a news flash for some people, but I think there's some people listening that it's important to hear this, that the Bible wasn't written to answer your questions. The Bible was written to answer the questions God intended it to answer. Now, that doesn't mean it don't answer some of the questions you have, but I think sometimes we we try to subject the Bible, you know, even though there's we see things about the world in the Bible. The Bible isn't a, you know, a scientific book. I mean, if God wrote a scientific book, we probably wouldn't be able to even yeah. understand it. Right. Um, but so we see these allusions, you know, like how the Bible talks about certain things and we can we can glean truths from that. But we have to remember what the intended purpose of the Bible is. And that is God revealing himself to people that he's chosen unto himself and and the gospel, you know, the revelation, everything about the Bible is about Jesus. 
Um, and, and if we don't think about, uh, you know, looking at the Bible through the lens of the, the final act of Christ, then we, we get a lot of things wrong. Yeah. Um, you know, when we look at the Old Testament, even though Jesus, other than some, you know, um, Christophanies where we see Christ, you yeah. know, as the, the fourth person in the fiery furnace, or some people would say that Jesus was the one wrestling with Jacob or, you know, that you, we can discuss or dispute those things. But other than these, we don't actually see the, the physical manifestation of Christ in his humanity. But all through the Old Testament, we, you know, we see, we see the Christ, even in the places where he's not, we see that we need a better king. Yeah. We need a better judge. Um, we see that he is the the heel of the foot of the seed of the woman that will crush the head of the serpent. So the whole Bible is about Jesus. And so I think when we put that into frame, we, we begin to see what is God trying to tell us through the Bible instead of superimposing something that we hope the Bible right. is trying to tell us. Not to always throw a teen challenge story in here, but I'll throw one in real quick. People always used to come to Teen Challenge trying to answer the questions about their life that they thought needed answered when we were trying to answer the questions we know they needed answered. Like, you know, I need a job and, you know, that's great. You want, you want some job, a job, you want money, but I know if, if you can fix this part of your life, the rest. And so I think that sometimes we, we, we look for practical solutions in the Bible that may not seem to be there. But if we understand what the Bible teaches, and obviously if we're transformed by the gospel, we we're, we we learn to prioritize those. Some of those practical mm. things disappear that we right. think we need answers to. Yeah. Anyways, uh, so so true. Yeah, you could be, you could go to scripture and say, like you know, uh, um, kind of like what I was referring to earlier. Um, who do I marry? What, what kind of job should I get? You know, and that's and and the Bible can help give. Uh, revelation and guidance to that, but it's not going to tell you like a right. Mary Sue. It can is, tell you what kind of woman to marry, but yeah. not who to marry. Yeah, but it, but it, it usually tells you more what kind of man to be. No, no uh, doubt. You know, and the, and the, or what kind of God we serve. Therefore, I need to have a reverence and a, a worship of Him in a certain way. And in order to have that kind of reverence, I can't marry that girl. Exactly. Yeah, and so so it's 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 it, it gets right to the to the heart of it. That's why we're doing this twelve week series on on the the fascinating life altering Word of God. We're going to be talking about a few more things about authority of Scripture and some of the other things. But then over the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about how to expose it, how to dig in, understand the Scripture, uh, hermeneutics, homiletics, exegesis, eisegesis, uh, four ways to study the Bible. A uh, lot, lot of good things coming up in the in, in the future. But we have a few more things here today. Authority. Uh, take a shot at that. What do you, what do you, when you hear the word authority of scripture? Well, I think, uh, you know, in most of these lists, the reason inspiration is one and authority is two is because this is realistically, this is the most important thing as far as we have to know who God is. Like we have to believe that God is inspiring the text, but we also have, have to know who God is. And I think the idea of having a proper view of who God is and thus what his word is, um, it is so very important. We were talking about some things, me and you earlier, um, just about how people, um, you know, even Christian people sometimes look at, try to look at the Bible through the lens of science, or people can look through the Bible through the lens of the social sciences right. or through practical wisdom where the inverse is true to have have the bible really affect your life in the way it's meant to 
you have to come to terms with the authoritative nature of God's word. The word, you know, and the word that that spoke the world into existence. That's why in Hebrews it says, listen, to have faith, you actually have to believe that God spoke the world into existence. You have to believe that God is God. And so if you don't believe the Bible is authoritative, you'll view the Bible in in a a, a variety of felonious ways. Let me just read a scripture real quick. In, in In Psalm 138, verse 2, it says, Uh, This is King David here. He says, I bow down toward your holy temple and give thanks to your name for your steadfast love and your faithfulness. For you have exalted above all things your name and your word. Mm. And if we if we understand who God is, you know, his name is above all names and his word is right there. His word is parallel with his name because it's the revelation of who he is. If we understand that, then we will we will cl- more clearly understand what the Bible is very often commanding us to do. And I think that's the the problem with the way, not even just the most um, uh, progressive, you know, Christian type, you know, liberal view of the Bible is, but even people that I would consider biblical believers, but they still don't have the authority of God's word in, in the right place. Right. So they think there's kind of an option um, when when we should see that everything that God breathed out is especially things that say thou shalt or you must, or mm. um, we, we have to realize that the authority of scripture dictates the way we see everything yeah. else about and, it. And you can't pick and choose. You have to open the word of God with a humble heart and say, this is what God says to me. This is the word of the Lord and I have to obey it. I can't skirt over it. I can't say, let me go to the next chapter. And that's happening a lot in the progressive movement in the church today is they're picking and choosing scriptures that feel more accommodating to culture around them. So God could never be an angry God who pours out his wrath on his son, Christ Jesus, to pay the penalty for our sin and so the cross just becomes a, a moral example of somebody who loves us so much that he's willing to lay down his life for us. And that certainly is a part of it. He did love us that way. But basically then they're not seeing Scripture as authority. Once you do that, you open up such a can of worms, you're headed into such a slippery slope of, of back. really, you end up backsliding. There's no way you can take portions of Scripture and just say, that doesn't apply to me or that doesn't, doesn't uh, you know, there, you know and, and it seems like the church just continuously until there's a reformation moves away from the authority of scripture. It moves into, uh, you know, certain things about marriage or, you know, the definition of a man and a woman, uh, you know, different roles in ministry that these, these, you know, this, we, we, we start compromising with the authority and we just say, well, that, that really doesn't mean that, or it's not, it's not fit for culture today. Then, then you, you, it's lost its authority. That, that authority is the, the you know you used the word gravitas earlier. You know, the, the gravity of this thing, the weightiness of it. The that's that's where the glory. It's the word kavod, glory, and the, the 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 book is glorious. And we need to take every aspect of authority. I think if you stop if you stop seeing the scripture in authority, it will stop feeding you. And yes. no wonder it's dry, or no wonder you know, God withdraws his, the, you know, the, 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 the Holy Spirit who illuminates the words, the Spirit brings life to our spirit to understand the word. And uh, the lack of coming humbly to the word without, without, without having authority is, is going to cause us to lose out. Before we move on, yeah. I just think it's real important to say this too. We're not saying that, that if you 
you know, if you view God's word properly as authoritative, that you are able to live up to it. Right. So for obvi- obviously we all fall sin and fall, sin and fall short of the glory of God. So, but to me, to be a biblical Christian, you must come to terms with the fact that God's word, if it says it's right, then it's right. If it says it's wrong, then yeah. it's wrong. And I think when we start anything that we superimpose, especially when people start saying, well, I would never judge people that way, or I would never do that, or I don't think that's very loving. You're literally making yourself the judge of God. Yeah, It's a dangerous, dangerous place to be, especially for people who call themselves Christians. Um, Proverbs 9, 10 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The very beginning of wisdom is seeing and fearing and knowing who God is. And so, you know, if we want to say that's not very loving, well, we don't define love by what our culture says or what a pop culture song says or mm-hmm. what I think or feel. We yeah. actually define love by what who God is because the Bible says God is love. Yeah. And so it, that's such a, we could spend, you know, an hour more talking about authority, but yeah. I think it's a very important one. You want to uh, talk any about the, uh, the clarity of scripture? Clarity is important. It's, it's not often listed in when we talk about these various uh, words that describe the, the Word of God to us, but I think it's an important one that the clarity of Scripture means to us that not only did He reveal it to us through inspiration, not only does it have authority, infallible, and but but it's it's clear to us. It, it actually can make sense to us. We can we sometimes we have to labor at it and we have to work very hard, diligently, and study the Scripture to show yourself approved. But at the same time. God is going to illuminate it in such a way that it it's like the light bulb turns on. Yes. There's, there's a lot of things that I don't understand, but all of a sudden, I should, if I don't give up and I determine, uh, I, I am going to allow the Holy Spirit to teach me in such a way that I can come up with a clear understanding of what God is wanting to say to me. Otherwise, it's like, you know, he spoke in a different language. Right. You, know, you can have, you can have, God can be, you know, speak an infallible word, and it can be you know, all these things. But if it's unclear to us, it's like you know, listening to Swahili. You know, just I'm not gonna. It's, it's it, it can be inspired, but I'm not gonna understand it. So, the the glory of this is that the Holy Spirit's gonna make these things known to us. And again, almost like what you said about sin. You know, that even though God's words authority, we still we fall short of it. The the God uh, has the absolute power and ability and desire to make all things clear to us. But through our own lens and through some of our own, you know, cultural bents, we, we may not, it may not be clear to us or, or our own church history. You know, we've been, we were taught every Sunday a certain amount of times this thing of truth. I, you know, I was, I was taught that you could lose your salvation every time you sinned right. when I was uh, in, uh, young, uh, young boy in, school, in, in Sunday school. And, uh, you know, so it's, uh, and even now, sometimes I'm reading scripture and that, that, voice haunts me a little bit like, oh, you could lose your salvation if you did that. And, uh, but, but God made it clear. I, you know, I saw scripture after scripture that disproved that false theory. And so, so it's, it, it's, there, there is clarity, even though it doesn't seem like it at times. I think sometimes uh, I, I like to say, you know, that the Bible, um, there are things that are difficult to understand. And, and I think a lot of it is the relational aspect. The longer we study God's word and know God, the things, the whole helps even the the small part of it make more sense as we begin to understand the wholeness of the Bible and yeah. the character of God and and all these sort of things. We begin right. to it sheds light on other places. Yeah. We'll talk more about that yeah. when we talk about hermeneutics. Yeah, we've but got the, two, two more and we have about five minutes left. So let's take one each. Do you want to do 
Uh, you want to do necessity or sufficiency? Sufficiency is my, my favorite. If you want to do it, I'll now, let you do it. We can, we can both comment a little yeah. bit on that one. And then, uh, and then let's, just, let's go with the necessity okay. first. Uh, it, it's self, self-explaining. Uh, it, the book is not only inspired uh, and can bring us in all, into all truth. It's, it's, it is necessary for those things to happen. It's, it, it has to be, you know, our, it's necessary for us to know Jesus. It's necessary for us to know the cross. It's necessary for us to know the resurrection. Anything we know about the gospel and how we're saved comes from this book, and that's why it becomes necessary. So uh, that's, that's a pretty easy one. Very easy. <clears throat> yeah. All right, and then you're going to do... Uh, Claire, uh, you're going to do a sufficiency. Well, we can do it together. Okay. I, I just feel like, you know, a lot of times people who would be biblical Christians labor the idea of inerrancy, but it's so, so important that we talk about the sufficiency of Scripture. So not only is it necessary, but it is sufficient for everything we need for life and godliness. Yeah. It contains everything we need to know about God according to salvation. It contains everything we need to know about how to properly worship God. It is sufficient for the Christian to have the complete armor of God, like, you know, Grundell would say. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so this idea of sufficiency, I think, really helps us close the door on many, many bad theological ideas. Instead of looking for the words of God places other than the place he told us they are. And I think uh, I think that is one of the, probably the most, uh, when you talk about scripture, probably the most um, underpreached and most needed doctrine of scripture to be preached is the sufficiency of scripture. And that's what the reformers were, were crying when, you know, when they said, you know, we're saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, according to the scripture alone, for the yeah. glory of God alone. Sola Scriptura is what everything really formed around yeah. because it was this idea that God has spoken and you don't have to go to a priest because the Bible says you can go directly to God, the yeah. bell's torn. And I could give a hundred other examples of yeah. this, that this is God's um, sufficient expression uh, command, revelation. And so I think that if if we bear this idea out and we preach from a place of the sufficiency of Scripture, I'll say one more thing, then I'll, I'll defer to you. A lot of times people, especially people who want to evangelize people, they, they get into a lot of bad soteriological or uh, ideas of how we reach people for salvation. Um, and, and I think they do it because they don't take the Bible sufficiently, and um, the word I like to use is um, what's slipping my mind. Um, but anyways, this idea that, you know, the Bible tells me that everyone knows there's a God, right? So I got I, that presupposition. That's my presupposition when I witness to someone is I know that, that you were made in the image of God, mm-hmm. that the law of God is written on your heart as much as you have you know, have suppressed it for the sake of unrighteousness. So I rely on the sufficiency of God's word when I minister to you, um, knowing that the spirit of God does his work when the word of God is spoke or preached or used in witnessing. So that's just one example of, of if we see the scripture as sufficient, we will, we will treat it that way in evangelism. We'll treat it that way when we preach. We'll treat it that way in our home. We'll treat it that way when our Christian worldview comes into conflict with, uh, you know, a fallen world over things like sexual ethics, baby murder, the way we live our lives, how we spend our money, where our allegiances, so on and so yeah, forth. Beautiful. The, the My last comment then would be, you know, we told you that 
uh, we believe if you listen to this next 12 weeks, we could increase a hundredfold your passion and desire and zeal and what you get out of the Word of God and how it trains you for righteousness. <clears throat> I would say this this particular last one, the sufficiency of Scripture, could probably do half of that battle right there. You know, half of the gains we're looking for in your life could come right from just believing the, the Bible is sufficient. If you don't believe it's sufficient, that's probably one of the leading causes of people getting dusty Bibles. It's just, it's, it, it's not, that's not sufficient. So I need to, and I'm feeling shame right now. So I need to re- read Brene Brown's book on shame right. because that's sufficient. This is not. I need to read some pop psychology. I need to re- read something about girl power. I need to read something about masculinity. Um, and, and, and fine, read, you know, supplemental things. But, but this, knowing that this is sufficient, it, it, it has faith. It's, it's, it's having faith that God will speak to you about the things you need in your life that you you know come to Him humbly and and ask Him to speak to that. That's why prayer, I think, is is a, is an important thing to incorporate with our Definitely. study of. But but this, but this idea of sufficiency, all all these seven that we talked about are important. And I'd love for you to rewind this podcast and look at all seven again. Take some notes and uh, begin to pray about it. Study them yourself. There's some great resources available out there for you. Join us next week is next episode as we talk about how to exposit, how to do a proper exposition of the scripture so that it, it comes alive even Definitely. more. Be Before great we thing. close, can sure. I just read one scripture, yes, Gary? It's a very popular scripture. We all know it, but Psalm 119.105 says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light into my path. And I think when we start trying to interpret light by darkness rather than realizing it's by the light of God's word that we see everything else more clearly, um, we, we get into a lot of trouble. And just like you said a second ago, uh, there's nothing wrong with reading a, a Christian book or a book on something else as long as we don't even come close to elevating its value. To me, any Christian book's value is uh, weighted on if it helps me hunger for the Bible, does it enlighten me to the Bible, does it drive me towards the Bible, does it help me understand the Bible? Mm -hmm. Um, And and every step away from that, its value in my life decreases. Well said. That's a good point to close. Hey, subscribe to our podcast if you would. Uh, Let some of your friends know about it. Forward uh, some of these talks on to people that you know would love to grow in their walk with Christ and in their love for the Word of God. Also, you can check out worldchallenge.org, our website, and we have resources there. Several of my books and Joshua's books are available uh, at our store there and um, some of the sermons that we preached. Fire in Our Bones, Pastors Conference, we are doing those around the country, coming up in New York real soon. Uh, Check that out on our website as well. God bless you. Thanks for being with us today. If you're a pastor or ministry leader, you and your spouse are invited to join us at the Fire in Our Bones Pastors and Leaders Conference in New York City, August 2nd through the 4th. Joining Gary will be Nikki Cruz, Tim Delina, Carter Conlin, Claude Hood, and R.T. Kendall, with worship by Donnie McClurkin, Shane and Shane, and 1121 featuring Kelly Wilkerson and Jared Anderson. Visit worldchallenge.org and click on the events tab for full registration details. If you enjoyed today's episode, we invite you to do two things. First, share this with someone else. Second, click on the subscribe or follow button on whatever app you're using to listen to the show. That way you get notified when we release a new episode. Thanks for joining us. We hope to see you next time.